This podcast is brought to you by Most Valuable Podcasts, leading the league in podcasting entertainment. Welcome in, my friends, to another episode of Behind the Pen. My name is Mike Rankin, and I will be your host. And I am back, baby, from Sioux City, Iowa, where I had the pleasure of covering a national tournament as a credentialed media member. It was pretty sweet. I'm thankful for that experience, but I'm also thankful for Ricky Widmer and Dave Oster for covering for me last week on Behind the Pen. Now, I missed the best week of football. That's Mike Glennon signing for the Chicago Bears. I was away for that, which I was upset about, but that's okay. I have this opportunity now to discuss Bears free agency with you. That's going to be later on in this show. I also had an awesome treat for you. I do have a treat for you today. Drew Edstrom, Bulls blogger of Bulls Confidential, is going to be joining me later on in this show to talk Chicago Bulls basketball. Can't wait for you guys to listen to that. Appreciate him taking the time. It was a lot of fun. We had a lot of conversation about the Chicago Bulls, but before we get into that, and by the way, it's going to be Bears-Bulls today on this Behind the Pen. I'm so happy to be back. Again, thanks Ricky and Dave for covering for me last week, and thank all of you for listening. And I don't know where you're listening, whether it's on iTunes, which you can find us, or blogtalkradio.com backslash most valuable podcast, where we have all of the full-length podcasts. Find it there on Blog Talk radio if you're on youtube what's up guys drop a like down below this is going to be a bulls segment but our intro has to go over the necessities for you so you know where to find us we're pretty much everywhere but thank you guys so much for the support we are really picking up steam here on most valuable podcast i'm going to start the show today by talking chicago bulls basketball and well you know at some points of the season i'm like wow this team's a top four team in the east kind of Right? I mean, they're showing flashes. I mean, they're scoring a ton of points. They look really good on the floor. Jimmy Butler looks like a MVP caliber. Okay, maybe I'm going a little too far there, but at least a top 10 talent. And then there are periods where, you know, they're, in the, they're among the bottom four teams in the East. They're more dysfunctional than the Knicks front office at points. And now, over their last 10 games, three and seven, they're a game behind the Pistons and two other teams, or actually one other team ahead of them. That's the Heat here on March 16th as I record this podcast. They're in the 10th spot right now in the East. At a, at a record of 32 and 36. I mean, going into this season, I guess this is exactly where we, I guess, foreseen them to be, right? Because especially the way they approached the offseason, they were in a good direction until they decided to go after Rajon Rondo. The signing of Rajon Rondo really signified their fate, right? Just, just straight up, because it didn't make any sense. And we discussed this with Drew later on in the show, and we'll get to that soon. It's a great conversation. I'm excited for you to be able to listen to that. But, man, this Bulls team right now, it sucks because, one, Dwayne Wade, of course, if you haven't heard, he's out for the season. I'm sure you have by now with a broken elbow, and that's going to suck. Hopefully, like, if the Bulls do make the playoffs, which they're trying to fight for for whatever reason, I don't understand it, but he may be back. It depends how his rehab goes, but that's a serious injury, and when he went down, you knew it was going to be bad. So that's where the Bulls stand right now. They lost one of their best players in Dwayne Wade, and he was so valuable for them on and off the floor, especially on the floor with their young players. So right now it's just a discombobulation of just whatever because Fred Hoiberg doesn't know what he's doing with his roster. Let's just be flat out honest with you. He's throwing out guys every other night with different starting lineups, different rotational pieces, different guys off the bench. I mean, that's one of the problems, right, with the Chicago Bulls is the consistency. I mean, that has to be at least on the top of the list because you look at Fred Hoiberg's situation, he comes in, you know, under orders of Gar Foreman. You talked about it. The, the GM of the Chicago Bulls after the trade deadline said, hey, we're a rebuilding on the fly, retooling, he says. And he continues to use that phrase, and I just want to kick something. But the Bulls are trying to be competitive now, for whatever reason, instead of just committing to a rebuild. And it's hard. I get it. You're in a major market. You have people to please. You know, people are going. They're the number one 
destination spot in terms of fans to go and watch a basketball game, whether they know what's going on on the floor or not. But the United Center is always full regardless. And it's just a poor product at this point because they don't have really any future. They have a bunch of young pieces who are just bleh. Just a bunch of average guys out there being mixed together with more average guys. And it just it just relates to this product. 32 and 36. Jimmy Butler's a top 10 talent or a fringe top 10 talent. Sure. But is that going to get you closer to a championship? Is making the playoffs this year closer to getting you to a championship? If you make it to the 8th seed and get bounced right away, give me a break. So there's a lot of things that we're going to cover here in this conversation with Drew Edstrom from Bulls Confidential. Drew actually came on to the show in recent Behind the Pet episodes, and we must be doing something right if he's back. You can follow him on Twitter at DN Edstrom. He's a lead writer there at Bulls Confidential. If you want to follow him on Twitter, they're at Bulls Conf. He's also part of the podcast called Sosa Steam Room. Check them out on iTunes as well as on Twitter. They're at Sosa Steam Room. Drew, thanks for coming back onto the show, man. It's been a while since we last talked. Hey, you know, I really appreciate it, and I'm, I must get some sort of prize here for coming on a second time, right? I mean, it, I, well, our budget is kind of limited, but we'll give you a virtual pat on the back or something. I can deal with that. That's perfectly fine with me. We'll take Fred, that. Yeah. And, and you know what, who I think needs a pat on the back right now is Fred Hoiberg. And we're going to get to him in a minute, but first got to start with Dwayne Wade. We're talking Chicago Bulls with you right now, and news today out of Chicago is that he's going to be out for the season with a broken elbow. What does that mean for the Bulls moving forward now? I mean, it means no postseason, to be completely frank with you. Um, Dwayne Wade, you know, it's not his best year um, numbers-wise, so to speak, but he brings a lot to that locker room, and he brings a lot to Jimmy Butler. Um, I think the biggest contribution that he's made this season, along with timely fourth-quarter scoring, is his ability to kind of uh, mentor Jimmy Butler and take him under his wing and show him how to win, even though the results haven't been there, so to speak. Um, But without Dwayne Wade, you're missing another fourth-quarter scorer down the stretch, a guy who can create his own shot. Um, Not very good defensively, especially out in transition but someone who's very valuable to this team and adds scoring. And the Bulls need that right now, especially heading down the stretch with no other real contributor besides Jimmy Butler on the offensive end. Um, So it's a big blow for them. Um, I mean, they're already wavering in regards to the playoff um, playoff berth, um, currently sitting 10th. Um, So not in that eighth spot. They're only a game back. But, you know, they've been so inconsistent all season and Dwayne Wade has kind of been one of those consistent pieces, even though he's not putting up um, career averages. Um, Right now, this season, um, he's averaging 18.6 points per game, which is below his career average, obviously getting up there in age. Um, He's 35 um, right now. So, I mean, the the years are catching up to him, Um, and that's sad to think about, especially looking back at his great um, historic career, probably the third best shooting guard of all time but it takes a lot away from this current Bulls team. I want to bounce something off you because you mentioned it flat out when you answered the question is that playoffs are done I mean this is most likely the case and that was my reaction too as soon as I saw Dwayne Wade out for the regular season it's like well what are you going to do now but according to Fred Hoiberg that's not in the plans he's still going to coach and he still believes the Bulls are going to play with an effort to make the playoffs what's the thinking there? I mean he has to say that um, one, to keep season ticket holders interested and to keep management off his back, um, so to speak. You know, Gar Foreman and John Paxson 
for a long time have been talking about how they kind of want to retool on the fly here and keep this team competitive. I don't really see how that's working, even um, with those inside of the organization supposedly saying that it is. Um, I don't see it. Fred Hoiberg, you know, Gar Foreman um, went on the radio recently and talked about how Garf, or how uh, Fred Hoiberg's job is, is safe. I don't really understand that thinking. Um, Fred Hoiberg does not have a lot of tools to work with here. So, of course, he's going to try to win. Every single coach wants to win and put the most competitive product out on the floor and, and watch them succeed. But right now, I don't think it's realistic. Um, the thinking is, if I'm Fred Hoiberg right now, I'm, Jimmy Butler is my only guy. Um, I'm going to start with John Rondo. You know, I'm going to find someone to plug into Wade's spot, and I'm basically going to ride Jimmy Butler to the end here. Um, so there's not much thinking. I mean, he has to answer that question the right way, and he has to say that they're going to try to win. Right, and I kind of want to stay with the Hoiberg conversation because it's an interesting one. And going back to last season when he was hired, obviously handpicked head coach and didn't really get into a system that kind of fit what he wanted to run on the floor. He had to deal with personalities like Derrick Rose, Jimmy Butler not getting along. Obviously, he was on the wrong side of Joakim Noah. And all of that kind of played into a mediocre season where they missed the playoffs in a chance where they thought they were championship contenders. Fast forward now to this season, right? And Fred Hoiberg is going into the year thinking, okay, well, now, you know, a year under my belt, I'm going to get this transition going. I have players that fit my style. And then the front office gives them Rajon Rondo and Dwayne Wade. And then all of a sudden, this, this is what we have. Now, I have to ask you this flat out. Is Fred Hoiberg a good NBA coach, or is he a victim of circumstance with the Chicago Bulls? He's a very average NBA coach, um, and here's why. You know, the front office didn't do him any favors, giving him Wade and Rondo, of course, giving him no shooters. And the way the NBA is headed right now, it's all it all revolves around shooting. It all revolves around young pieces who can get out and run and shoot the ball. Um, and he doesn't have that right now at all. Um, his system, I don't think, uh, directly translates to the NBA, but he doesn't have any toys to play with. Um, he doesn't have guys that will fit his system in college. It's a very college-based um, style offense. Um, so I think Hoiberg is an average NBA head coach, and I think all the, all the things that Gar Foreman and John Paxson were saying about Fred Hoiberg coming in they're saying that the way he relates to players is a strength. Um, he's an offensive savant. Um, he does a couple things well. Honestly, I don't really see one thing that he does do well. Um, it's all very average. It's all very mediocre. They talked about him relating to players and you know, really relating with these guys. He's a college coach. He gets along with college guys. So far, his communication has been very poor. Um, no accountability at all in the locker room. You have guys like Michael Carter-Williams and like some other players on the Bulls saying they don't know why they've gotten benched at all, um, which can't happen, especially with young players. They want to get better. They want to grow. They want to know what they need to do in order to be successful. And so far, Fred Hoiberg hasn't even reiterated that to them at all. And you talked um, about it too, Drew, and I, I apologize for cutting you off there, but it reminds me of – Tom Thibodeau, right, where he had really nothing but turned it into something. And we're not saying, obviously, we're not trying to compare the two in terms of coaching value, but Fred Hoiberg hasn't turned what he's got into anything, really. And, and here's why. There's no consistency. Athletes are a creature of habit. Um, you know what I'm saying? It's like they need a certain rhythm to get going. 
They need to be know that they're they need to know that they're trusted. All these athletes, whatever sport it is, they constantly think they're being screwed over in some way. Um, so they need to have some sort of stability. And Fred Hoiberg has provided no stability with the rotation whatsoever. Different point guards coming in and out, different front court players coming in and out. Nikola Mirotic wasn't wasn't playing for a couple games. A guy who is a restricted free agent who you're looking to see if he can prove something to you. A lot of these guys are are getting screwed over. A lot of these guys are saying, all right, what am I doing wrong here? And what do I need to do to get stable minutes? Mm-hmm. There's been no stability whatsoever. And, you know, that if you provide stability to young players, they tend to perform. Um, they tend to, to step up in some matter, and you know what you're going to get. But with this team, there's no stability. The, the rotation changes every other day. It's like Fred Hoiberg is kind of looking at a piece of paper and randomly pointing. He's like, all right, Paul Zipser is going to play today, or Laverne's going to play, or, you know, Michael Carter-Williams might play, but Jerry Grant all of a sudden is not playing at all, and he's arguably your best point guard in the roster, in my opinion. Now, the first player that kind of stood out to me in terms of stability, and I know he's not a younger guy, and you mentioned a lot of names there, but Rajon Rondo. I mean, you brought him in expecting to be a part of the big three, and I say that with air quotes, but he, sta- he starts on the bench now, and then all of a sudden he gets back into the starting lineup. You talk about consistency. That just doesn't make any sense. What's going on with the whole Rajon Rondo experiment this year? I mean, the thing with Rajon, i got to give him credit. Um, he has been very cooperative um, ever since his incident with throwing the towel at the assistant coach. You know, he's performed the past couple of days. He's playing with pace. I thought he was really good with that second unit um, with those younger guys looking for open shooters, but you cannot have a point guard in today's NBA who cannot shoot the ball, and Rajon Rondo just cannot do that flat out. Um, I understand why why he's starting now. Um, I mean, they're contending for a playoff spot. You need to look competitive. I think he's he's a bench guy now for the rest of his career. I'm not even sure what kind of money an NBA team will offer him. Um, if he were to get cut by the Bulls in the offseason. But the Rajon Rondo, it, the whole signing was a mistake. Let's go back to the trade deadline now because the Bulls had to do something. They couldn't be in the same situation they were last year with the Pau Gasol thing where he just walks for nothing. So they traded Taj Gibson and Doug McDermott for Cameron Payne, Joffrey Laverne, and Anthony Morrow. How would you grade the move now that we are just about a month in? Uh, D. Solid D. Yikes. Um, it was not a good move. Um, you see um, Serge Ibaka getting traded to the Raptors and, um, you know, the Magic being able to get a first-round pick in return. Taj Gibson is worth a first-round pick of some sort. Um, by no means, this trade is an absolute joke in my mind, giving up two established rotation players for three guys. Oh, and a pick. You're giving up a pick as well, which is just ludicrous in my mind, for three guys who... Um, Anthony Morrow, you know, used to be able to shoot, not anymore. Cameron Payne, young 22-year-old guard, um, wiry frame, very careless with the ball, um, very inconsistent shooter. Like, you're giving up proven pieces. Doug McDermott maybe isn't so proven, but Taj Gibson is a guy that was very valued throughout the organization, respected, great guy in the locker room, performed each and every night. You're giving him up for peanuts. Um, so to speak. So I I was not very happy with the move. The fact that they had to give up a pick was the most shocking thing for me. You could even do straight up, in my mind, 
McDermott for Cameron Payne straight up, hmm. one that, for one. I'm, I'm with you. I, I was actually dumbfounded to see that a pick was actually involved and the Bulls weren't receiving one. But I have to ask you, because obviously this trade is kind of centered around Cameron Payne, a young point guard who the Bear, oh, Bulls, I almost said Bears there, yikes. Oh, the Bulls need someone in the backcourt to kind of lead them there. Is there value in Payne? I mean, he's a young guy. I mean, he has a lot, a lot of room to grow. Um, he'll be under contract um, for the next couple of years, but he's been dealing with injury. He's injury prone with that foot um, on and off. He's injured right now, actually. Um, he's got a sore right foot. And, you know, if nothing is jumping out the page with me in regards to pain. He has potential for sure. Former first round pick from the Thunder, kind of caught behind Russell Westbrook for quite some time. And now he's on the Bulls, and he has that chance to prove himself. Um, he's knocked down. He can he can knock down shots, but I don't really see him as a as a creator. Was decent in the pick and roll with OKC, but my 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 thoughts on him aren't necessarily high right now. I could get proven wrong down the road. Um, I don't really know what to make of him. He's very lengthy, careless with the basketball. Um, doesn't look like a creator to me. Um, his his form is kind of weird on his shot. Right. He has some room to grow. Um, just the trade the trade made it that much harder to swallow that this is the guy that the Bulls were looking at to kind of like take as a piece. Um, you could have gotten so much more for Taj Gibson or even Doug McDermott. Reminder: the amount of picks that Doug that the Bulls had to right. give up just to get Doug McDermott to begin with, and then you're adding on basically another pick to package with him. So many options that the Bulls gave up just for Doug McDermott, but now that's turned into Cameron Payne. This is Drew Edstrom speaking out behind the pen from Bulls Confidential. We really appreciate you taking the time to discuss Bulls basketball with us. Uh, I got to throw this in there. A couple, well, this relates to the draft, and the Bulls haven't done quite well in the draft as of late. You see Tony Snell on another team. You see Doug McDermott on another team. Bobby Portis now. You don't know really what you have, but he's getting a chance. You know, he's starting to get some minutes now that the floor's opened up. Now Denzel Valentine. How would you grade those two players And at this point of their careers? Is there any value there? Bobby Portis and Denzel? Yes. I'll start with Portis. Um, you know, as an offensive threat, um, cannot jump whatsoever. Probably has a two-inch vertical if you were to measure it out. Um, not an overly athletic big. Um, I'm glad they're playing him at the four position. At times they they played him at the five in the past, and that's just not his position whatsoever. Could definitely stretch the floor, knock down some shots, but defensively he's extremely lost. Very bad on pick and roll. Um, is not strong enough to stay with those bigger guys, or even quick enough on his feet. Um, to stay with those stretch fours and contest shots. Um, Bobby, Bobby's all right. If he could figure it out defensively, offensively, he's still a little inconsistent, but he's still kind of getting his reign, uh, reign, so to speak. I'm not entirely low on Bobby Portis. I don't think he's the best. Um, I grade that acquisition as a, as a C right now, a solid C. Um, with Denzel, you know, he, he can create, he can definitely create. He has, he has solid handle, and he's been recently a knockdown shooter for the Bulls, um, which has been which has been very good, and the Bulls definitely need that. And I think he can find his place with the Bulls as a knockdown three-point shooter. I don't see him starting anytime soon, uh, maybe for Wade, but I, I doubt it. I maybe see Paul Zipser probably in, getting back inserted into the lineup. Denzel, there's still a lot left to prove. 
for me defensively. He's not the best, doesn't have quick feet, not overly athletic. Um, and the Bulls have a knack for kind of drafting these four-year college guys, which really kind of puts them in a hole. You're looking at their very young um, one-year college guys that are, that are coming out, and they're just overly athletic and very talented. And the Bulls really like kind of the, the four-year college-made model, which is which has really backfired recently. We're talking draft now, and the last time I had you on, Drew, we did focus on the draft. And fast forward to about a year later, the Bulls are pretty much in the same spot. I'm going to ask you this question now. I don't know how much research you've done on it, but is there any names you're looking at the Bulls may target, maybe like a Jared Allen, Justin Patton, Luke Kennard even? Well, here's the thing with the draft. When when we fast forward here to the end of this season, into the summer, I 100% believe that Jimmy Butler will be on the table once again. Um, whether or not the Celtics or another team want to offer up something for his services remains to be seen, but the draft could go any which way, um, just because the Bulls are in such this this limbo, not sure what to do with Jimmy Butler. They've said that they're going to build with Jimmy Butler, not around him, which I think is ridiculous. Jimmy Butler is a top 15 player in this league. You build around him, you give him the tools to succeed and um, really flourish in a league, and they haven't really done that so far. So to be completely honest with you, in regards to the draft, it depends on where the Bulls are picking. Obviously, you have those top-tier guys, the Balls, the Folts of the world, um, a bunch of those one-year-in-college type of talents that, that can really make a difference. But it really depends on where the Bulls are drafting. And right now, they're kind of stuck in the middle. Um, you look at Patton, you look at De'Aaron Fox at maybe like a 10 to 12 spot. Um, TJ Leaf is an interesting prospect for me. I would just take best player available mm-hmm. um, because there's so many holes. It's kind of like the Bears. Right. Um, there's just so many different holes, and you don't know what the roster is going to look like come the draft. I think that's a good answer, too, and I'm glad you mentioned the Jimmy Butler thing because last year he was on the table, at least reportedly, and I'm not going to question the Woj, you know what I'm saying? So yep. I, I feel like, Jimmy, this is the right time if the Bulls do want to kind of go in to a rebuild. This is the time to trade Jimmy Drew. Thank you so much for jumping on. I got one more question for you, and then I'll let you go. Who's in your final four in the March Madness pool, and who you got taking the championship? Well, in... in this is the best month of basketball, in my opinion. I absolutely love it. Teams kind of heading towards the playoff run in the NBA, and then March Madness, of course. Um, I got to give a shout out to the Northwestern Wildcats. The one today got a got a W. Um, you know, representing Chicago. Well. Absolutely. Really, really appreciate that. I love Chris Collins and the whole Collins family. Just great, great storyline. But to answer your question, um, for me, I got the Duke Blue Devils. I got Arizona. Um, I also have the UCLA Bruins. I hope LeVar Ball doesn't doesn't suit up um, for them anytime soon, even though it can take uh, Michael Jordan one-on-one. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. That, that's a storyline itself. It's just ridiculous to me, the amount of hype that... Yeah, that whole family is all over the place now. I mean, he's just plastered all over my screen. I'm sick of it. It's... It's really way too much, and I wonder if that will um, hurt his draft stock. But, yeah, I got I got Duke, Arizona, UCLA, and then the Kansas Jayhawks. Oh, interesting. Yeah, very interesting. Can I, what, what's, your, what's your final four? So I got Arizona, Villanova, and uh, I had UCLA get knocked out. 
So that's that's one of those things. I have Kansas in the Final Four as well. So my championship, UNC and Villanova for a rematch. UNC taking it. Yeah, I got I got the Dukies winning the whole thing. I I don't know why. I don't really like Duke <laughs> whatsoever. No, they're talented. They are talented, and they're coming in hot off an ACC title. So I, it just felt right. You know, when you're filling out your bracket, you could go numbers, you right. could go feel. I want a little bit of both. Drew, it's been a pleasure talking to you. Thanks so much for jumping on Behind the Pen. Hopefully we can do it again soon. Absolutely. All right, if you're listening on blogtalkradio.com backslash Behind the Pen, you just heard an interview I conducted with Drew Edstrom from Bulls Confidential. He's a friend of the show, and we're really happy to have him on. It's a great conversation about the Chicago Bulls. If you're on YouTube, go ahead and check out that segment. But first, got to get through this Bears one. Leave a comment, like down below if you like what you heard, or if you didn't like what you heard, regardless. Give us some feedback. We really do appreciate you. I'm talking Chicago Bears now. And I, I one more shout-out to Drew and all everybody over at Bulls Confidential. It's been a pleasure talking to him. Chicago Bulls, now I'm talking Chicago Bears. My goodness, it's about time. I tell you what, I missed it last week. The first wave of free agency, I was out of town, and Ricky and Dave covered for me out behind the pen, which was awesome. They did a great job. Now it's my turn to give you my thoughts on the Chicago Bears free agency as a whole because when they did that, only the first-tier guys signed. And, of course, the reaction was Mike Glennon, baby. Mike Glennon, the stability at the quarterback position has been solved with Glennon. Yes, yes, Mike Glennon will be here for a while. Three years, $45 million, or he might be gone. You never know with this organization and the way things play out. But only $18.5 million guaranteed of that $45 million. So that's nothing, guys. And the Bears have a lot of cap space. They entered a free agency this year with over $50 million that they could spend, and I think they nailed it. I think they absolutely nailed this free agency period. And you talk about that first wave of free agents that kind of went through. You know, They didn't land a Stephon Gilmore. I know they were linked. They were heavily linked, actually. Uh, A.J. Boye, I talked about it on my Bears preview, free agency preview, as well as the draft combine preview episode two weeks ago, and Boye was on my list. I really wanted to get Boye. Difference of uh, five hundred thousand. I'll get into that in a second. Obviously, I'm going to break all of this down. They didn't land those two cornerbacks, high-profile guys, first-tier free agents. They also let Alshon Jeffrey walk, go to the Eagles. He signed a one-year deal. That's fine. We'll talk about that too as well. But the focus has to first be on Mike Glennon. I got to give you my thoughts on Glennon and the signing and the thinking there because it, it just makes sense. Guys, it just makes so much sense where the Bears are. Jay Cutler, by the way, officially cut, so no more conversation about Jay Cutler on the Chicago Bears, but if he signs somewhere, you best believe I'm going to be talking Jay Cutler, but that's fine. We're going to leave it at that for now. But Mike Lennon, the focus now is on Mike Lennon, and the Chicago Bears, I think, made a savvy move, not really so much savvy, but a smart move to sign Mr. Stability, and I'm going to consider him Mr. Stability because that's what I see. Going into free agency, obviously the number one concern was to fill the quarterback because you had to have someone there immediately. Well, you're not going to find it in the draft straight up. You're not going to do that. You can't spend a number three pick on any of the quarterbacks projected to go in the first round because there's too many inconsistencies, right? You're not going to give it to Matt Barkley because he sucks. And you could potentially sign Hoyer, but what are you going to get out of Hoyer? You know what you're going to get out of Hoyer. So I like the way the Bears approach free agency in terms of the quarterback position, signing Mike Glennon to that $45 million contract that only 18 and a half is guaranteed. And when you stalk, I said stability, that's what I see. That is exactly what I see when it comes to Mike Lennon because he hasn't really had a chance right in Tampa Bay really throughout his entire career yet, sat behind, well, he got benched for Josh McCown for whatever reason. Josh McCown, out of, after 2013, he signs with the Bucs, the stupidest contract you can make, 
and got benched, which is kind of embarrassing. And then you sit behind James Winston because obviously you're going to commit to him. So he hasn't had a chance yet. His ceiling is rather low, of course. What are you going to get out of Mike Glennon? He's higher. He has a higher ceiling than Brian Hoyer, but it's not, you know, what are you going to do? He can't run out of the pocket. He's a pocket passer. His strengths are the short, conservative, intermediate throws that fits Dow Logan's system. So I like it. I like it. And when I say he hasn't had a chance yet to thrive, this is it. Finally, like in Tampa, he played for Greciano. He sucked. That was the worst head coach probably in the history of football next to Mark Trestman. But with Glennon coming in now, he has a chance to go through a training camp, learn a system, get familiar with his his players, and go through a starting quarterback's regime as if he was a starter, which he will be. The Bears are going to commit to him. So he has time, right? He's going to develop, and hopefully it's, it's consistency, stability. I say stability because that's what I see. A guy who doesn't make too many mistakes, or at least hasn't shown that he, he makes too many mistakes. He hasn't thrown more than two touchdowns in a game, but he also hasn't thrown for more than two interceptions in a game. So right now with the Bears' current situation, you're talking about what do you need at the quarterback position? A guy who can be there until you find the answer. And Mike Lennon's it. That's it. He's the guy. Safe pick, safe signing. I love it. Now, going back before in free agency when they were suggesting 15 mil for Mike Lennon, everybody threw up in arms. You know, I would have been upset too because you can get Brian Hoyer for what, four, five million, wherever he signed in San Francisco. Matt Barkley too. Shout out Matt Barkley. He sucks though. And you have Mike Lennon now. I'm okay with it. I'm actually really happy with it given the current situation and what he brings to the Bears and his skill set. So that was a good signing. We're good with Mike Lennon, but really, obviously, it takes more than just Mike Lennon. Gosh, I'm giving him too much credit. It takes more than Mike Lennon for the Bears to be competitive in the near future, and that's where the rest of free agency comes in. Of course, they missed out on A.J. Boye. They, They missed out on Stephon Gilmore. They missed out on Alshon Jeffrey. Boye... Deciding to go to Jacksonville, it's okay. Obviously, there are tax concerns. He's making more money. The the point five, the five hundred dollar five hundred thousand dollar difference in the contract isn't really what the conversation is about. If you look at it just strictly with the difference there, there's a lot of factors that go into it. Living environment, what's best for your family. Obviously, the tax cuts over in Florida give Boyer more money in the grand scheme of things. But the system may have fit better. Who knows what the thinking was there? But he just didn't decide the Bears, and that's fine. That's fine. Stefan Gilmore, they lowballed him. And Gilmore's like, all right, see ya. And that's, that's fine. You know why it's fine? It's because the Bears had a plan. The Chicago Bears went into free agency with a plan, and that's what you want to see from your front office. It's smart. Because what happens when you're in, a, when you're in a, a transition, a rebuild period, like the Chicago Bears are right now, and you spend money in free agency, you just handcuff yourself. That's when you lose. You don't obviously don't win Super Bowls in free agency. You'd like to see the Bears land a splash. But... You, that's when you lose because you commit all this money to guaranteed contracts to players who are getting paid for past performances and you handcuff yourself. You're screwed. Well, the Chicago Bears did this free agency period. I think they nailed it. Losing out on Alshon Jeffrey to one year, they were done with him. It, it, it just flat out, it seems like they just didn't want to take any more responsibility. They didn't want to work with him for another year. He signed a one year, $14 million deal, if I'm not mistaken, with Philadelphia. I mean, that's nothing. That's kind of petty change. So Bulls, er, Bulls, we talk Bulls, by the way, with Drew. You should check that out. But Bears, you, you, you don't commit the money to Alshon. I mean, that's saying something. I guess they were just done with him, and they didn't want to take the risk because he's hurt, and, you know, obviously he had that suspension. So they were just done. And Alshon Jeffrey will most likely prove to the Bears that they missed out on something if he can stay on the field because he's a top caliber wide receiver. He's definitely number one in the league, for sure. He's got that skill set. 
But we don't have to talk about that because it's in the past. It's done now. Chicago Bears are moving forward. Let's look at how they approach day two or the second tier free agents because this is where they made their money. You want to talk about what they needed? And I think they did a great job of setting themselves up in the draft for whatever they want to do. They are definitely in a better position going into the draft this year than they were last year because last year you really had to rely on the draft to find consistency on the field immediately. Now you can stockpile depth and you can transition a little easier now because you can have a chance to develop these players. You're not putting them in situations where you expect them to produce. You have players who've been there now. And I say been there now because they signed Marcus Cooper, Prince of Mukamara, and Quentin Demps in the secondary. That is huge. That is huge, not because they're super talented secondary pieces. It's because you provide consistency now. You have experience. You have depth. How, how many times have we seen it last season where you didn't know the name of the guys playing on the field because they, were, they had no depth? They're playing undrafted free agents. They're playing seventh-round draft picks, what have you, fourth-round picks who just didn't pan out, guys like Deion Bush sitting on the bench. Now they have something. They have something cooking. Their defense is what's going to get them back to relevancy before anything else. And they've done a really good job, in my opinion, to this point in rebuilding that defense to make them at least top 10 potentially. And that's not a a crazy enough claim to to make. And I'm excited. Quentin Demps, what he provides, signing a three-year deal, $13.5 million and $5 million guaranteed. You kidding me? He's at 31. That's that's a guy who you know can plug into that secondary, especially in the safety position. And it reminds me, if you're going to say Antrell Roll, no, because Antrell Roll was terrible. Quentin Demps brings something, especially with three years. He's still got life left in his game. He's a guy back there who knows where he's supposed to be on the field. He's going to help these young secondary pieces in the safeties, free, free safety, strong safety positions to get better. And that's what you need at this point. Guys to learn from example, especially from guys who've been there before. Quentin Demps loved the signing. Such a smart signing. When I go over to uh, Prince of Mukamara now, I talked about him in the podcast a couple weeks ago, right? And I said, you know, he didn't win the job out of Jacksonville right away out of, out of training camp, but provided at least some value in terms of depth. He played, I believe, in 14 games of the 16. So he was on the field, right? That's what you like to see. He didn't t- create any turnovers last season, which is concerning. The Bears need to increase that category and takeaways on the defensive end. But Amukamaro is a guy who's been there before, of course. He has uh, experience at the position. He's not a guy where you can plug him in, right, and he's going to be a guy who takes away one half of the field on the defensive end. That's more like a Stephon Gilmore. Like if if they were able to bring in Gilmore, then you'd say yes. Yeah, baby, half the field is covered. But no, you know, Amukamaro is probably going to compete with Tracy Porter and even Marcus Cooper, a guy that the Bears signed in free agency. Another smart signing. So I really like that. Uh, Umukamara on a one-year deal, $7 million. You can't lose. That's a low-risk signing. You know what you're going to get out of him. And if he becomes a death piece, then so be it. That's a positive. Now on to Marcus Cooper, when you look at him, traded from the Chiefs over to Arizona. He wasn't a starter throughout his tenure in Kansas City. Eventually started making uh, appearances with the Cardinals on the field, and he did well. Started creating turnovers for himself, made a name for himself in Arizona. Now he's over in Chicago, and he's going to also compete for a cornerback position. And with the Bears right now, their situation at cornerback, who do, who do you have faith in? Is Kyle Fuller going to be ready to play? I think he he's talented. Yes, absolutely has talent, but he's got to prove it on the field. He hasn't been there yet since uh, having that knee problem. So there are questions about Kyle Fuller's production 
They are. I, I, are you going to rely on Tracy Porter, aging cornerback? He was pretty solid. Honestly, one, probably one of the more solid signings Ryan Pace has ever had in during his two years in Chicago. Tracy Porter, you know what you're going to get out of him. When you have other com, uh, competition pieces there, where you're going to rely on somebody else, that'll be fun to at least keep an eye on. Bryce Callahan, I think, in my opinion, is the most talented secondary piece on the roster. The problem is he always gets hurt, and that sucks because he turned into a very valuable cover corner as well as a guy who comes in the nickel package and fits the scheme of what Vic Fangio wants to do. So then now they and Craven LeBlanc, if I, I'm not sure if I already mentioned him, undersized corner, undrafted free agent, guy from uh, New England's practice squad. He's a guy to keep an eye on. He played pretty much all season long there for the Bears, but there's competition. There's talent now. Well, there's talent in the secondary. Maybe not guys who flash, jump off the page at you, but that'll help, especially with this front seven being bolstered, we assume at least, going into the draft, potentially with the Jonathan Allen going third. I know he's got the arthritis problem, but Jonathan Allen's a guy you may not want to pass up and bolster that front seven, especially on the line. So that this is all positives, guys. Especially, I really, really like what Ryan Pace did in terms of addressing the needs in the secondary with Cooper, Demps, and Amukamara. So, Great A stuff. And Jonathan Banks, by the way. I have to throw in Jonathan Banks in there. He signed a one-year deal just under a million dollars. So depth, depth, depth. You got to have guys who can stay on the field. You got to have capable backups, right? That's how you get better. You don't invest all this money in free agency because you just get handcuffed. Then you screw yourself in the future, and that's what Halt rebuilds. And that's just straight up, period, end of story. So what do we cover? Glennon, we cover the secondary. Now let's move on to the tight end position. Deion Sims, how about this? $18 million, three years. I love it. I love it. 26 years old out of Miami. He was a backup there for the Dolphins. But you look at it, you combine him with Zach Miller now, Deion Sims, and of course Daniel Brown. How about it? That looks pretty good. I think the tight end position is uh, pretty pretty solid right now. Sims can really help you out on the run and stay on the field. And that's what you love to see. Savvy signings who stay on the field. And with this draft class, of course you have to mention it, floated. You know the Bears are going to draft a tight end. And when, whenever they do, whatever round they get, it's going to be a good piece, a piece that they can use, and it's going to be valuable. So you bolster that position. Obviously, you need it. So that's awesome. I mean, another positive thing. Yeah, I mean, it's just like, yes, yes. Moving on. Of course, you lost Alshon Jeffrey, the one-year deal. I, like I said, it was just time, I guess. The Bears just didn't want to invest any more of the resources into Alshon Jeffrey. Of course, he's going to be considered a number one receiver in the league because he deserves to be so. But they're moving on. And the Bears really have a problem there at wide receiver because Kevin White gets hurt. I think he's going to be a valuable piece. He's just got to stay healthy. He's got to stay healthy. I think he has the talent to become at least a really solid slot receiver or second receiver on that uh, Chicago Bears front. But I don't think he's going to be a one. And I don't think they have a number one receiver on their roster right now. Cam Meredith is very good, very talented, but he's not a number one. So do you really need a number one receiver to compete in the NFL? That's probably one of the more overrated positions, I guess, in my opinion. Of course, the Des Bryant, the O.L. Beckham Juniors, those guys are really nice to have on your team because you can just throw it up to them and they usually make a play. But... You know, it's, it's going to be a transition process for the Bears at that position right now. They addressed it by signing Marcus Wheaton uh, from Pittsburgh on a two-year contract. I like it. And they also brought in Kendall Wright out of Tennessee on a one-year deal. I also like it, right? They both have experience. Wheaton coming off a really injury-plagued season last year in Pittsburgh. We didn't see much of him at all. But he's got speed. He can do stuff for you in the special teams game. He's a punt returner, kick returner. That's what the Bears obviously need. Remember, they were running with Eddie Royal, who who acted as a consistent piece there in the special teams unit. 
for the Bears last year, so I like it. I like Kendall Wright, and I, and I like the addition of Marcus Wheaton. I think they both have talent. Kendall Wright's pretty consistent, kind of... Yeah, he's got some size. I think he makes some plays. You know, he's solid. He's a solid. These are solid signings, guys who add to the depth, and it makes them competitive. And I think having a guy in Mike Glennon to get the ball to them, to be, like I said, straight pocket passer, intermediate conservative throws, not too successful on the deep ball. But you have a guy who can stretch the field in Kevin White and even Marcus Wheaton, but this is safe. These are safe signings, stable signings, guys to contribute to the depth and get them to where they hopefully want to be. Are they going to be competitive next year? Maybe. I think they could be based on their defense. Straight up, their defense could be what carries them for a long time next year, and we got to see how they approach this draft with a top three slash top four picks in every other round. That's going to be huge. So let's see how the Bears approach that uh, moving forward. But still, we're going to keep it on this free agency conversation because it's fun. I'm, I'm really enjoying it. Hopefully you're enjoying it here on Behind the Pen. If you're on YouTube again, guys, thank you so much for listening. Drop a like and a comment down below if you could. Tom Compton, tackle from Atlanta, signed a one-year deal. and This just adds to the depth. And I, I really like where this offensive line is going, where it's shaping up to be. Not sure how they're going to use Hironis Grasso, probably as a backup. And I think they should keep Cody Whitehair as a center. He's a pro bowler. Pro Bowl center in his first year, drafted as a guard, transitions to center, and just kills it. And, of course, you have Kyle Long coming off those injuries. Man, when he break his ankle or his shin, like a high ankle injury he had last year, that was ugly. Hopefully he comes back okay. And, of course, Josh Sitton. He was huge. Huge signing for the Bears. So that interior offensive line is probably one of the most efficient in football. You have Jordan Howard behind you as well, one of the best running backs in the game, especially rookie Oh my gosh, the second leading rusher in the league? Are you kidding me? It's rookie year. Didn't even play in the first four games. Jordan Howard's unreal. So the slowly, guys, slowly it's starting to take shape. This transition process is going to be, you know, coming to fruition here in a minute. And we'll see what happens to Ryan Pace and John Fox. Ryan Pace is probably going to be safe for a while, but John Fox may be on the hot seat with another bad season. Could say see you later because you can't just have what happened this year again. So, and I don't think that's going to happen. But Tom Compton, back to that, adds to the depth of the of the offensive line and you need it you need it we saw what happened last year when guys went down and Eric Cush again a, a, another conservative effort from him we saw him on uh, hard knocks with the Rams he's a good dude uh, at least what we've seen on that show I mean he showed that he was a good dude and he played very well played hard as a backup last year that's awesome Ted Larson you know these backups you have depth you like it depth is what you need and this is what the Bears are doing in free agency and that's how you approach free agency especially with the position that they're in today so we got almost everything covered here christian jones signed again a nice little backup piece an inside linebacker he'll be back bears are bringing back connor barth i mean a kicker or whatever they're a dime a dozen you can bring in whoever and it really doesn't matter so that 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 covers that we don't have to spend too much time there but yeah overall this offense is starting to take shape the defense i'm very excited about they helped bolster their secondary in free agency i think ryan pace nailed it I think he nailed it. I, You know, it sucks seeing Stephon Gilmore and A.J. Boye go elsewhere, especially in the difference of, of money that was put on the table from the Bears compared to other teams. But whatever, it is what it is. Alshon Jeffrey's probably the toughest one to watch, and I think I saw something saying that the Bears haven't re-signed a, a high draft pick or some of that sort, first-round draft pick since 2007. Yeah, is it or is it Kyle Long is the only one that they re-signed? I don't know. So I I might be wrong on that stat, but that's just kind of telling. And like I said, it does kind of suck watching Alshon Jeffrey walk, but it is what it is. They didn't want to waste any more time with him. He is a number one receiver, but it it's over. It's over and done with. And so is the Jay Cutler era, which I'm uh, 
gonna, I'm gonna be honest with you. I'm a little upset, a little, a little hurt, heartbroken by it. I love Jay Culler, guys. Like he's just such an interesting fella. He's just, you know, I mean, he he comes off as such a prick, and I'm sure he is a prick. And I remember reading a uh, story. I forgot about all of it. It was a great story showing the timeline that is Jay Cutler in Chicago. I totally forgot about the don't care story when he was in the bathroom or something. He was, I guess, hammered. And a dude walks into the urinal next to you. He's like, oh, hey, you're Jay Culler. I'm a huge fan. He goes, uh. <laughs> so, I mean, I, man, what a guy. Anyway, I could go on about Jay Culler all the time. You know, all day. I'm not going to keep you here. I'm sure you guys are going to give me some hate for that. But whatever. It's cool. It's all good. But that was my Chicago Bears conversation. I hope you enjoyed it. You guys should give me your opinions on what you think about the way they approach free agency. You should also let me know how the Bears are doing in terms of their transition process, their rebuild process, because I think it's starting to come along. I think we're going to see some tremendous strides forward here in year three of Pace and Fox. So it'll be interesting. Leave a comment down below. Let me know what you thought about this show. Leave a like if you could. If you haven't, please check out the interview I had with Bulls Confidential writer Drew Edstrom. It was an awesome conversation. Let us know what you think about that as well. Again, guys, for agency conversation, Chicago Bears, the draft is coming up soon. So how do you think the Bears did entering the draft, approaching the draft, if they put themselves in a good position? Because I think they did. Once again, guys, you're the best. Thank you so much for listening. This has been a presentation of Most Available Podcast. This is Behind the Pen. And of course, we will see you all next time. Thank you for listening to this MVP podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Most Valuable Pod for more great podcasts.